0: Welcome to this edition of Hindsight is Horrifying, the show where three mostly normal and somewhat cynical adults discuss life as members of the TV generation. Now, here are your hosts, Darth Jader, Jason Mitchell, and Adam B. Hello.
1: What's hey. up? Hey. And welcome back to Hindsight is Horrifying mm-hmm. on
0: X and
1: Rumble. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big And we're
0: rated what? X and Rumble. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: yes. What does Rumble
2: mean? I don't know. In the ratings world? I just made that up. What a great R- joke. Yeah. It Reminds me Thank of... Thank you. If so you got to so explain cool. it, it's not a
0: good joke.
1: <laughs> well, I wonder you where you learned that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we are back uh, and uh, loving being primarily on X. Uh, I think our last episode, we uh, were 9,000? views which uh, for us is actually uh quite a bit
0: that's 8999 <laughs> yeah, more than we more. typically get i'm very happy yeah about telling that. you. Yeah,
1: the difference between uh, x and youtube is,
2: wait you mean x doesn't bury our content yeah, for seriously. no known reason and yeah. make it impossible to search for
1: yeah well and also x Hold doesn't on. uh freak out because we use fair use uh you know video clips and things like that which which we do now uh because, because, yeah, we, because can. we can <laughs> But we are continuing our trip through the 1990s, um, and as you know, it's a very difficult decade to sort of pare down into, you know, one or two movies. So oh, yeah, there were so you know, many
2: different great movies in the 90s. Yeah,
1: it was honestly just such a good decade.
2: As a result, this this stint is probably going to go a little bit longer than our 70s and 80s features,
1: yeah. for sure. But don't worry, we'll make up for it in the 2000s and just not do it. <laughs>
2: Hey, Pirates of the Caribbean came out
0: in the 2000s. and we rest our case. Yeah. Up, there you go. The hell thank you, <laughs> thank the you, front for, door. <laughs> thank you for saying it, so I didn't have to. Sorry,
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, I'll smack him around later. No, but uh, Mr. Brown had a pick uh, this week, and an excellent pick, if I may say so myself. What did you pick for us?
0: I picked what my te- my acting teacher, called a rite of passage film. If you want to. Pursue acting in New York City. You need to watch this movie and know what you're in for because in my life I've never seen a movie that is closer to reality. Absolutely. An independent film. And that film is, was, and always will be Living in Oblivion.
2: Lock it up. Okay, here we go. And roll sound.
0: E. Nick Rev is making a movie.
2: Action. He's wonderful, isn't
0: he? It's something most of us (laughs) Only dream of doing.
2: How'd you get into
0: cinematography? No, I'm I'm directing this movie.
2: How'd you get into directing?
0: But for Nick. Hey Bob. Hey Bob. Rolling! The dream. Cut. Do I have to do everything myself here? Is becoming a nightmare. What is your name anyway? Ah! Because he's fallen in love with his leading lady. Don't you dare tell me that felt fake. Who's been waking up with his
2: star. You and I slept together last night. So one time. Deal. You know it. I know it. Who's dating
0: the producer.
2: Because you're not afraid of my power. Oh,
0: God. Yes. yes. Living in oblivion. Uh, Star-studded,
1: yeah. too. It, 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 it's interesting. Uh, I actually saw this movie for the first time in film school. Um, and we were on the production side. We weren't the talent. You, were, you were, you were, you were yes, the talent. Uh, I was the we, one we that were, was yeah, wearing we, the patch. Yeah.
2: <laughs> now, see me. I had never even heard of this movie until you suggested it for the podcast. So,
0: okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, that, I have with, once again edu- helped to educate you and bring it, you to the 21st century. If <laughs> oh, you gee, want thanks. to know,
1: if you want to know what being on a film set, I don't know what it's like nowadays. I haven't been on one in several years, but... This is so frighteningly accurate. (laughs) It's absolutely, completely accurate. Well,
2: and I wasn't on an indie film set. I think that's the thing, is that the film sets I was on, one of them was an Alvin and the Chipmunks movie, so it clearly had a budget. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And Jason Lee was in it. Very different. Yeah. (laughs) Between no money and lots of money? Wow. And
1: And isn't that just a... A commentary on what's wrong with our society that the Alvin and the Chipmunks movie had a huge budget, but uh, this was probably made on about, you know, 200 bucks. And so, it was shot yeah. in 16 days. 16 days. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, it was the uh, Tom DeSillo, the director. He didn't want to uh, go around begging for money, which is what you do. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. that's, that's just make- part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have to come up with creative ways of getting around that. Like the Coen brothers, actually, when they were making Blood Simple, which is another great indie film, they went door to door where they were shooting and literally were selling shares of the movie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm looking you at know. the craft services table and it leads so something to be accurate. desired. It's so fucking accurate. <laughs> <laughs> the way, uh, where do we park?
0: Excuse me, where do we park? Anybody know where the camera trucks park? I mean, yeah.
1: Yeah, if you've been
2: on set, you know. Spoiled milk, half-eaten donuts, rotten fruit. It's yeah. Just, ugh.
1: Although, I actually, uh, I have been on a couple sets with with really good crafts services and when you do find a good craft services set it's so it's like awesome
2: i don't know that like, i've ever had uh access to a good craft services table but yeah I, so i don't really know the difference i i haven't seen a bad one and i haven't seen a great one either i think i've seen a pretty average one
1: well bad ones are just cheap you know because it's you know after you've paid for renting the camera renting the grip truck renting paying the lawn. actors oh you don't pay your actors <laughs> <No>. <laughs> even in a budget film no, in a budget film, yeah, in a budget film, yeah, oh, okay. I'm talking about indie. Oh, okay. Um, after you've rented the uh, the grip truck, uh, you've 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 done your permits, if you decided to do permits, which
0: let's be honest, uh, a lot of times you don't. If you we move don't have fast, a permit. run. Yeah. If you move fast, you can avoid the whole permitting process. <laughs> Ed Wood teaches yeah. us anything. Yeah, guerrilla <laughs> filmmaking,
1: but you just go to the grocery store with whatever money you have left over, and you buy some. You know Oreos, mm. and there you go. There's your craft services, mm-hmm. a crudite. Perhaps. Yes, yes, yes. With the really plastic lid, yes, yeah. <laughs> on the crude. And when you come back, it's all still there except for the uh, the ranch dressing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but now this is a movie that is um, the director uh, Tom DeSilo. Uh, he just enjoys saying that, don't you? I do. It's a fun name to say. This is a guy who had made an independent film. Uh, Johnny Swade was his name. Uh, also with Catherine Keener. And Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because um, Brad was actually supposed to be in this movie. Yes. I'm glad he wasn't. Because the performance we got uh, was so good. You know, I wouldn't have changed anything. even From have... uh, James
0: Legros? James, yeah, Legros. James Legros, The yeah. indie film king. Yes. As they call him. Yes. Well, see,
2: that explains why I've only seen him in one other thing. Um, and that's where he and Brad Pitt have something in common. Because they both appeared on Friends. Okay. Yeah. All
1: right. <laughs> yeah. He, um, he I'll, I'll put a picture up, but you should see the difference between how he looks now and how he looked when he made this movie is, I mean, it's not like, Oh my God, horrible, but it's, it's definitely, is it a Chevy chase situation? No, no, no. He looks, he, he looks fine. He's it's more just, rugged. Yeah. He's very rugged now. More he's rugged, got a beard yeah. and you mm-hmm. know, he's very butch.
2: Oh my God. He's got like neck tattoos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, smoke. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put a picture up oh, uh, and show everybody. But the process of making that movie, um, the director came up with this idea, you know, for making a movie about making a movie and all the travails and troubles and Misery and boredom and frustration that goes along with it.
2: Wait, James LaGrosse was in Phantasm too. Oh yeah, I didn't know there was a Phantasm too. There
0: was a oh, two, three, yeah. four, and five. Oh right. yeah, I think he maybe a six. We'll look into that later. But no, he is—he's considered the indie film king. He's okay. got like probably 115 credits, and <sighs> it's been everywhere, but but never popped to the level of yeah. you know, Tom Cruise or Brad Pitt. But you know, he and Brad are friends, or even a Steve Buscemi. Oh, I know. Steve.
2: Who has, doesn't he have the most credits in all of Hollywood or something, Steve Basimi? Or somewhere oh, close?
1: I don't, I don't know. I've, in uh, the vicinity, I want to say. I'll look it up. Maybe but, I'm
2: making that up, but I remember him having an inordinate amount of credits. Hi, badly done, AI-generated Steve Buscemi here to tell you that Darth is wrong. The man with the most credits is, in fact, Eric Roberts. Fun fact. He is actually uh, Julia Roberts' brother. I mean, that's not really a fun fact, just a fact.
1: So, well, this was, this was an interesting period for uh, Basimi's career because he had, uh, he had been in Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. And, and they
2: even have a line yes, that sort of alludes to that. Nice movie. callback yeah. to
1: that. Um, but um, the, the movie is, it's, it's weird because it's not a love letter to indie filmmaking, no. but it's become sort of that because it is, like you said, Adam, it's a rite of passage. Yeah. You have to watch this movie if you're going to make movies. Uh, If anything, it sort of teaches you how, like, this is actually how people sound on set. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, And it's it's very realistic. Of course, I'm sure most of the technology that, you know... Oh, it's changed
0: dramatically. Yeah,
1: they don't have clapper loaders anymore.
0: But I'll tell you, every time you would do room tone for anything... I would think of that final scene of yeah. living in I did oblivion. I didn't think of
2: you when they did that because I've only ever done room tone with you yeah. <laughs> when I'm doing my voice. We all do stuff.
0: room tone. Yeah. It's just like,
1: I can't stay It's that long. It's, it's the painful. longest 30 seconds in the world. And I did time yeah. it.
2: It was
0: It was four minutes. It was four minutes? Yeah. Well,
2: you had to cram in a lot of material to did. that fake 30 seconds, and we can get back to that because that's the very end of the movie. <laughs> but uh, before we fall too far down the rabbit hole, I guess we should do the synopsis. Please do. Independent film director Nick Rev, Steve Buscemi, is making his first feature. Everything that can go wrong does. The rebellious catering crew refuses to replace spoiled milk, his actors are flaky, and getting an unspoiled take is nearly impossible tension between lead actress, Nicole Catherine Keener and actor, Chad James LaGrosse who have just slept together contributes to the many problems on set as money and time run out. Nick struggles to complete his film.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that pretty much. That's the about mo- it. Yeah, I mean,
2: that's, and Peter Dinklage
1: is a super intense asshole. asshole. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so sometimes life, life imitates art. <laughs> oh. Oh, he's a complete prick. Really? Oh yeah. I've never heard that. Oh, the 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 uh, uh, the acting community that he claims to represent. Absolutely.
0: Who put this guy in charge, and why is he yeah. the single
1: voice, like for a whole community, for a whole community of people?
0: I can argue I was on TV for 10 years. I was in uh, in film, not at the scale he was. But why? Why? Because he throws the red flag.
1: Is everything stopped? He recently, uh, the whole thing with Snow White, where he was like, uh, oh, you shouldn't use little people or dwarves, you know, uh, to to play dwarves. Uh, It's horrible and terrible. And and you should cast, you know, you, you shouldn't do your casting that way. And so Disney said, "Fine, we won't."
0: And they they put them all out of work. And they put them all out yeah. of work.
1: Oh no! Yeah. Well, that
0: was the Oompa Loompas, right? Too that they, they were they, not little people they, in the new yeah. Johnny Depp version.
2: Oh, it was one guy that they made copies oh, of. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it was just one actor. They didn't have multiple actors. Uh, but yeah, in the Johnny version, it's completely different. But uh, that sucks.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a YouTube video I saw not too long ago with uh, with an actress, and she's just saying like, "This was a great opportunity." To be in a huge to be Disney in a movie. huge movie, and then they eventually they I don't know if you saw this. Now Disney has announced they they're they're pushing Snow White back. They are getting rid of the dwarfs that they had, the live action ones. They're replacing them with with traditional traditional looking CG Disney dwarfs. Um, oh, so it's like you, you could have just filmed it this way to begin with.
2: Yeah, well, uh, so I guess he does have the same mentality as his character Tito. <laughs> Toto. <laughs> because- Toto. Toto. Yeah. Toto, Toto, Why do you keep doing that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, Catherine Keener keeps calling him Toto, and Steve Buscemi keeps saying little or small, and he's like,
0: a little part. Yeah, by yeah. being give a me jerk a little laugh. Him.
2: But yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> Short Peter D- notice. Tito <laughs> Tito takes issue with the fact that the dream sequence in the indie film the reason why you know it's a dream sequence is because there's a dwarf in it. Oh, because dwarves are so crazy. That's how you know it's a dream. And he like curses out Steve Buscemi and storms off the set.
1: It's ridiculous. Well, it is. It's sort of like Snow White then because they They get rid of him and they end up with something better with with Steve Buscemi's mom.
2: Yeah. (laughs) 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 Who's demented as all get out, which is hilarious. Because, and I had trouble keeping track of what actually happened in this movie and what was a dream, which I, can, I suppose I can understand is the point. Yeah. Yeah. you got to
0: watch can, it a couple times.
2: Yeah, I've only seen it the once, so... Mm. Uh, well,
1: it was actually filmed the first, because there's really three, not really acts, but there's three parts to the movie. The first part yes. was actually filmed as a standalone um, project. It was it was basically... Because it was written
2: for Catherine for Keener. For Catherine Keener, yeah. yeah.
1: And when it got finished, DeSillo uh, realized, you know, what he had was, it was too short for a feature too long for a short film. So they decided to go ahead and make the rest of the movie.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And it worked out beautifully the way it came out. But yeah, it's in the first act, they play very heavily with the black and white versus color because any of the sequences that are real life in the dream are in black and white.
0: Right. I love Um, that.
1: Yeah. And then when they're filming the movie, it's in color. It's in color. But then yeah. they flipped that Yep. Uh, subsequently. And I suspect that a big part of the motivation there was the price of film stock.
2: <laughs> well, and going back to your point about uh, DeSillo not begging for money in the typical fashion, uh, apparently his creative problem solving in that situation was that he asked the actors if they would work for free. And all of them agreed. Most of them even put up money themselves. And eventually, anybody who did contribute,
1: even a few dollars, got a part in the movie. Oh, man, can you imagine? I'd have given this guy a hundred bucks. Oh, yeah.
0: absolutely.
1: I mean, yeah, I think the uh, the script girl, the script girl, is
0: one of the producers. Yes. Yeah. The, the blondes were produced. they were all yeah. producers. Yeah, because you
2: have the blonde <laughs> assistant director, who's Dermot Mulroney's girlfriend in the movie. Yeah. Catherine Keener, she sleeps with Chad the one time, but in real life, Dermot Mulroney was married to Catherine Keener. Yeah. Mulroney
1: or Mulroney? Uh, I think it's Mulroney. Mul- Mulroney, isn't it? Mulroney. Mul- Mul- Mulroney. Really? There's only one O. Well, then he pronounces it wrong because I think he says Mulroney. Does
2: he really? Okay, Dermot yeah. Mulroney. That's what i Yeah, I always said Roney, because there's only one O. My bad, Dermot. Hmm.
1: Well, the other, uh, the sound recordist is also um, he. He's somebody else who put up money. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which again, I mean, you know, that's
0: that's how these movies were made. Mm-hmm. And uh, reading this script, I'd put money to oh. this is a freaking fantastic. And of course, the the cast is brilliant. Oh yeah, and even even Rika Rika Martins, the old lady.
2: Action! I'm so hungry. <laughs>
0: Nailed it.
1: (laughs) Right. And I looked looked at her acting
0: history. She was like in the craft playhouse in the Mm fifties or something. And then, and then like three films and then she died. Yeah. She died like five years after this. Yeah. But it was like her, you know, it was her swan song here. It was brilliant.
2: Well, and you said, I would recognize several actors in this movie, Adam, and you were right. uh, Including (laughs) Kevin Corrigan, who was the professor uh, on community that (laughs) the Dean thought Jeff was making him up.
0: I'm sorry. And who are you? I'm Professor Professor Simon. For hey, a fake credit. Which
2: one is he? Yeah, the one, one who gave a fake name. No, 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 no. Kevin Corrigan. So Yeah, I know. And um, this. Him. It, with the, Holy which, shit. That's him. Oh, wait. Yeah. It's either him. No, 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 no. Sorry. It's the guy with the glasses in the beret.
1: Yeah, there he is. There yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, he's got
2: facial hair in his IMDb picture, that, so I thought it was the other guy, but it's the one in the uh,
1: beret. That is, is—that is like, my favorite episode of Community. I, yeah. l- I love that friggin' episode. Because he's, 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 he's the like theater the, director. He's actually the theater teacher. But he's posing yeah, as, he's like, the posing, conspiracy
2: yeah. theory oh God, professor, see, and he I gives a it. fake name and everything. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I see it so good We gotta right watch now. it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've been meaning to give Community another watch from the beginning. Again. I just
2: rewatched it again. Yeah. I That show was so damn good. But, um... Joel, oh, so give man. us a call
1: sometime. Come on the yeah, show. Yeah, seriously, Joel. We get like uh, we can do pizza. Yeah, <laughs> sure. yes, we have the budget for pizza. Well, we'd have to put some money together, but we could we can make it happen, Joel. <laughs> the actors will put up the money. Not yeah, you. Yeah, we'll put Don't it up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no Papa John's. Though. that's out of our out of our budget. That is bougie. Don't say bougie.
2: <laughs> I just said it. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, so yeah, it's just a very Murphy's Law set where. At first, there are these errant noises in the background, and it's not even uh, Chad throwing his ego around. At first, it's actually the mom who's kind of demented. But so, this part is a dream sequence, or is this actually happening? No, the, this is
1: him the, dreaming. Yeah, it's a dream. He's well, asleep. Okay, yeah, because he
2: has his anxiety riddled dream, and then Catherine. Well, they're both dream
1: sequences. There's two dream sequences, and then yeah, Steve Buscemi has one,
2: and then Nicole Catherine yeah. Keener has one, right? Okay, yeah. I was just making sure I wasn't messing up the sequence. But he was dreaming that his mom was actually an active actor in the movie and that she kept messing up her lines. Yeah, And uh, they did, like, 40 different takes, and then there's this street traffic sound going on, and that yeah, interrupts the Yeah, everything keeps going wrong in different ways, and Steve Buscemi's just trying not to lose it on set. Well,
1: because that, that's one of the things that I think modern filmmakers um, have a huge advantage over. Because I remember, because we shot on, we did 16 millimeter, and one time we got to shoot on 35. Mm-hmm and it's i mean 16 is expensive but 35 is really expensive yeah okay. and when you're out you're out that's it you're done you're mm-hmm. not filming any more movie you have no film yeah you know um and Tis finite in supply well when you're doing a shoot and you, you there's there was just nothing worse than it's like okay 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 great perfect what was that sound yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, Fuck. yeah. it's all ruined <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. All
1: right, let's do it again. You know, and like your actors are tired and pissed off and Well, that's you know. why it
2: was considered such uh a skill to be able to do a take just once and make oh, it yeah. perfect because yeah. yeah, with that finite amount of film, you really had to oh, yeah. consolidate.
1: It, and it just it changes. David Lynch talked about like, you know, cuz his biggest problem was was that it's not just that you're almost out of film. There's only so much film that the can can hold. Mm. You know, so you're, when you start running the camera, you know, you're going to hit the wall. And he said with digital, the thing he loves is he can just turn the camera on, do a take, and then like just start interjecting and say, hey, wait, 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 do that line again. We'll do it this way, you know, and they can just roll and roll and roll and they never have to run and out. And do it
0: in post, fix it all fix in Fix it in post. post. Yeah. 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 That's very commonly <laughs> yes. said on set. <laughs> and we'll fix it in post. I'll yeah. have to reshoot it at this angle. <laughs> I got to tell you, this
1: makes me want to film a movie so fucking (laughs) badly. I miss this. So... Well, but and it was so
2: much. And it was a bit of a theme in the 90s. You had all these different indie films coming out. And yes. Uh, including, and it's of course a popular reference, but Clerks, because Kevin Smith just got all the credit cards he could, maxed them yeah. out, hired his friends, and then just filmed at night at the place where he used to work. Oh, yeah. So it, it, he just made a movie however he
1: could. Well, it was the 90s, wa- was the, the decade of indies. Because uh, Hollywood, you know, they, they realized. Finally, hey, you know, we could go and find some of these indie movies mm-hmm. and just distribute them and make a shit ton of money. And really, there's not a lot of expense, you know. And so you you end up with this huge explosion with, like, the Coen brothers. You know, this was, what was it, like, 97 was the year of, of the indies when, like, Fargo won the uh, Best Picture. Oh, yeah. You know, but you had Tarantino making indie films, Kevin Smith. Uh, the Coen Brothers, all these guys out there and girls, ladies, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> women. <laughs> I can't think of any off the top of my head. It's the only problem, no. I don't have any, you know, actual referrals, but yeah, exactly, name uh, or references. But me. no, um, but you had all these these really gifted filmmakers who just put the money together, made a movie, and it popped. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean Billy Bob Thornton, we wouldn't know who he was if not for Sling Blade. Right. Which was a low budget indie film. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good movie. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. movie. Are you serious? Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time though. But yeah, it was a wonderful and I'm this one reason why I'm glad you picked it, because you can't do a nineties sort of retrospective without talking about the indie films. And I honestly think if Big Lebowski is the king of the indie films, this is sort of the, you know, this is the, not the genesis, but this is really down home, pure indie filmmaking. And it didn't make a huge amount of money, but you know, it became very popular within certain circles.
2: And you do have all the just perfect actors in each of their roles. They all fit so perfectly. Uh, I mean, with Steve Buscemi at the helm as a director, which what do you think his biggest flaw as his character I think it's the fact that he's too nice and he's trying to appease too many people at once. Because every time he has a conversation, he gives in. He never really stands his ground, especially with uh, Chad. Yeah. Uh, And there's actually, you mentioned Brad Pitt a little bit earlier. There's like an ongoing rumor that Chad's character was kind of an emulation of Brad Pitt on set. And apparently that's not true. It's really the fact that Brad Pitt was supposed to be Chad. And then uh, he had to do... Um a different film that he was trying to. Of the, Legends, Legends of the Fall, Legend, yeah. yeah. And so he couldn't back out of that one. But so James LeGros got the part instead. I,
0: I'll tell you, I've only heard good things about Brad Pitt. On set, he's very giving, very gracious, very humble. Yeah, I've heard heard, this guy at least now.
2: I've heard different things like, uh, like when he gets in the zone before a scene or something, apparently he just won't look at anybody, won't talk to anybody, but that's normal. normal. No, but I I heard it in the context of like a fan trying to be like, oh, Brad, hi, and sort of distract him while he's doing his job. And so they thought he was a jerk, but I was like, no, you, it takes a certain level of concentration.
0: So, but, but to your Point about the director, it is the director's job to almost appease everybody, because I'll tell you, you know, as an actor on a set, especially a diva type actor, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) No, I was not a diva back then. You turned me into the who. Oh, it's my fault. Okay, spoken like a true diva. But but you're always insecure about your performance, and as the director, he was extremely insecure. And one poor word from the director could could just. Trigger you to a point where you can't deliver anything. Yeah. Or the right word del- delivered, you know, to because there's always the fraud syndrome, at least I always found. It's like, imposter oh my God. Imposter syndrome? Imposter. That's what yeah. I was thinking. Like, <laughs> imposter syndrome. It's like, how did I get cast with these people? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm not nearly as talented, you know? And, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, you have stories like that all throughout Hollywood. Like Kira Knightley thought she was going to be fired uh, so quickly from Pirates yeah. of the Caribbean because she was only 18 years old and she's in the, a movie with the likes of Johnny Depp and Orlando yeah. Bloom and, you know, Jeffrey Rush. So it just. Yeah, it's intimidating. They give good um, examples of that in this movie, Adam, because there are a couple of points where Nicole is already having a stressful morning because she has a one-night stand with Chad and then he kind of brags about bedding her, but you hear a conversation. She's not supposed to be hearing what um, Steve Buscemi says. He's like, okay, yeah, she's really not that good of an actress, whatever. And she flips out after that. And then there's, uh, at the very beginning, even though it's the dream sequence, it's Nicole acting with Steve Buscemi's mom. And he's like... Uh okay mom I need you to really amp this up and get this right this time and blah 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 he's like Nicole you're perfect just keep doing what you're doing and yeah. then, that's another example of when a director can just absolutely crush an actor so Well I and, see what you're saying. Yeah and
1: everybody on set uh except for the second AD or the first AD, a first assistant director. I
2: was about to say some people Sorry, don't yeah, know what an AD is out there um, so
1: Like if you're the sound recordist or you're the camera operator mm-hmm. or you're you know whatever if you fuck up it's all garbage. Mm-hmm. You know, if the, if the if you're the sound guy and you screw up, and for some reason, um, like I know, whenever people started using the digital field recorders, you know, it's not real to real, real to real. You press it and you can see it, you know, and you you can have a high degree of confidence that something's happening. It's probably <laughs> it's
0: picking up something exactly.
1: But with the digital, you know, it was it was like you press record and you kind of just hope. You know, like, the lights are coming off, you know, coming on and off, so I I guess it's working. But if you screw it up, all of these people, all of the hard work that they've done, gone. Yeah. You know.
2: Well, and another one of Nick's issues is how rigid he is about the shot. So even though Dermot Mulroney is the camera operator, he's like, hey, I think we should do this this way or whatever. And he goes, no, 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 no. I want it to be all one single shot. Yeah. And then Chad's throwing his ego into the equation yeah. and messing up the shot that Steve Buscemi has in his head. And then later, Dermot Mulroney, his girlfriend breaks up with him on set. And so he gets bad into move. an yes. attitude and Very bad he keeps saying, oh, I think we should do it handheld. Yeah, <laughs> and just but he, gets his way in,
1: he gets his way in the end, though. And it's perfection.
2: Yeah. 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 But uh, he even says during the first one where Steve Buscemi just cannot get the shot with Chad and Nicole, he goes, why don't we just cut, you know, and do like a two frame and, you know, we could do it that way. And he's like, no, man, I envision it this way. He's too married to a specific vision of what he thinks it should be. Right. And you have to be able to, and he even says, roll with the punches. Yeah. You
1: gotta roll with it. Well, and it's, it's tough and you can imagine a director because, you know, even with this movie, you're seeing a day of production. Mm Mm-hmm you know the pre-production where you've sat down with your cinematographer and you've gone scene by scene and then shot by shot and you go okay well this is you know shot 2b and it's a medium close up and we've got it we've got a little storyboard and it's all done out and you've you've put all these storyboards together and watched the movie in your head and to change something in the middle you really are just hoping mm-hmm. that when it comes time to edit it that it's all going to stick together. Yeah. And if it doesn't, oh man, now you got to like, like reshoots or try to cut around. Yeah. You got to
2: reconfigure a lot of stuff. You're completely right about that. But, uh, yeah, you see the first sort of, um, uh, hint toward the fact that is she, this is the ad right this blonde girl yeah yeah. okay she uh is dating dermot Mulroney, but she's getting all made up at four in the morning and it's because she knows that chad is going to be on set yeah. that day because she and uh the other blonde girl are kind of vying for chad yeah. even though he was sleeping with nicole or slept with her once and meanwhile, Dermot Mulroney is running around in an eye patch because she smacks him in the face. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I read this article that was hilarious of by James. Bera Dinelli, and he said, yeah, Dermot Mulroney, Keener's real-life husband at the time, is an eye patch character who looks like Rambo but has the emotional sensitivity of Ald- Alan Alda. <laughs> and it's so true because when he gets broken up with, he's just sitting there crying on <laughs> set. And,
0: and I love when they pull the patch up and yeah. a little tear comes yeah, flowing. Yeah, the mom just, like, yeah. lifts the patch up know, and he
1: just sees no, the no, sad he's, clown. He's very <laughs> sensitive. I, them, I don't want you to copy my just do whatever I think of the What if thing? I don't
0: think anything's going
1: on? I think of something funny. Maybe you could give me something. I don't know About. your life, you know, so, you know, He's, he's very sensitive. Oh. He's an artiste. And, and actually, they're lucky that they had a cinematographer and, who was also um, the camera operator. Because typically, the cinematographer is not, and you've got a camera operator, first assi- assistant camera operator, probably second assistant camera operator. <laughs> uh, I've done... I've done... I spent most of my time on the camera. Okay. You know, and... It's it's just the little things like when you see when they do the handheld shot and you see the I, I think it was the first AC and he instinctively grabs the cables mm-hmm. because that's your job. No, that was the second AC. The first AC was do, was pulling focus. Give me the camera. Action!
2: I'm so hungry.
1: The second ac is the guy and he's like literally like your job is to keep the cables away from people's feet. Yeah. So as it's moving and we and, and who
0: racks focus? That's the first ac. Okay. Yeah.
1: First ac is typically sometimes you'll get a camera operator that'll do it, but typically you've got a first ac who's sitting there. Yeah. And they've got a wheel and uh I don't think you can really see it, but on the wheel there's a white circle. And so before the shot, they'll mark out every focus point and they yep. get a Sharpie. And so, you know, on your cue to go to the next focus point, you know, and it's an art. It's, it's uh, an it, art. It's so wonderful. <laughs> it's so, I, I don't know. I guess now it's digital. Everything's in focus. I know. You just push a button and it all happens. <laughs> it all just happens, <laughs> I magic. guess. But it takes a lot of the fun out of it. It you does. Know. Even the lighting. I mean, with LEDs, you know, like, they don't blow up.
0: Yeah. Any yeah. moron with an iPhone can now make a feature film. Seriously. That's the sad part about it. Yeah.
1: You've got a you've got a camera that is so much better than the Panavision that, that we used to use. Well, hell, <laughs> even
2: at my wedding, the, the photographer brought her professional camera that had multiple lenses and everything, and she's like, okay, but I also want to get some with my iPhone because it's very, <laughs> very clear. And I was like, that seems a little backwards, but I'm going to trust you on this one because you're the professional. Well, so. it's, it's safety also. Yeah. Oh, I got married, by the way. something. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Wait, didn't we,
1: didn't we mention that did last we? week?
0: Let's just keep mentioning Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't
1: think we did, but I don't remember. Oh, it's already happening. Time is starting to screw up. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, I've got the <laughs> second ring on now. I'm, I'm old. I'm married.
2: Yeah. I, my brain is going. It's yeah. turning to mashed potatoes. So. so
0: you've gone from Darth Jader to Queen tut <laughs>
1: Okay, How so. long have you been waiting to say that one? It
0: just popped into my head. I probably uh-huh. should have stayed there. On oh that my God.
1: note, uh, we are uh, due for our first break. Thank so, God. Yeah. <laughs> so we will be back in about one second. And we're back. Hello. Wow. Um, yeah, we were just talking a little bit more about Peter Dinklage. We uh, were. And, and
2: apparently, you know, his character is pretty true to life because evidently, uh, Living in Oblivion was his first credited film role. Uh, because he had previously avoided the traditional elf and leprechaun type of typecasting that was typically offered to actors with dwarfism. So that also feeds into his uh, rage against Will Ferrell and yeah. Elf, where he's like, call me Elf one more time and literally attacks him in a conference room. So See, that's, apparently this that's is pretty, using
1: what's inside. Yeah. For that's your performance, no acting
2: required. I yeah. guess
1: we skipped ahead to uh, the, uh, towards the end of the movie and, it, it this dream sequence. What I love about this dream sequence is, <laughs> <laughs> honestly, is everything. Yeah, it is perfect. But what I love is the fact that Peter Dinklage, and this isn't like the dwarf actor thing. This is just an actor, just not doing the part. Just the director saying laugh.
2: And Steve, yeah, Steve's and, not asking him to do anything. You I know. did
0: laugh. I laughed.
2: <laughs> and he's just sitting there stone faced, but he's not asking him to do anything racy or because he's a dwarf that that's how he no. thinks dwarves behave. He's just like, hey, so you're gonna circle around her. It is kind of funky because it's a dream sequence. You're walking around Nicole with an apple and she wants that apple and she can see you. No wait, she can see you. I don't know. And they go back and forth on that. So he's like, it doesn't have to be realistic. And then at the end, give me kind of a ha <laughs> kind of laugh. And Peter Dinklage is just, why? Yeah. Show it to me. Why do you want me to do that? It doesn't make any sense. And he's just being an ass the entire time.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing when you see egos like that on an indie movie set where it's, let's be honest, no one there is anybody. You're trying to be somebody. So when you cop an attitude like that, it's, it's just, it's lethal to your career, but it happens yeah you know uh but the, but the thing is though they will sometimes get away with it
0: there yeah, sometimes it isn't lethal which is the sad part well it depends yeah. on their yeah. star power you just like, want them to yeah. fail and they. how did they keep getting hired he's such a
2: well i mean that's not even just on indie sets either like uh julia roberts was known as tinker hell <laughs> on the set of hook because she was apparently so difficult to work with uh, she had just broken that. up with Kiefer sutherland and like she was going through a lot but she she fled the country after breaking up with Keith for Sutherland, apparently, and went to Ireland and Spielberg was like, OK, if you don't come back, you are fired. Yeah. And she refused to wear shoes. So that changed the entire costume. And it. they had to have an assistant specifically to clean her feet because oh Tinkerbell is supposed to be in the air. So why yeah. would her feet be dirty? So it just and it's not just an indie
1: pure film irrationality. Set. Uh, Just pure rationality. And
2: I don't say that just to call out Julia Roberts. I love her as an actress. I think she's great. We love you, uh, Julia. She's awesome. um,
1: We don't want to lose her. She's all
2: right.
0: As (laughs) one of our prime listeners. No,
2: but apparently, like, actors just get these egos, and Chad is a fantastic example of that in Nicole's dream. Yeah. uh, Because they're supposed to be having this kind of poignant love scene between the two of them, and... You never really understand what this movie's about that they're shooting because it sort of gives It's not important. No, it's not, but it almost gives kind of a a spy vibe because he's running around in a tuxedo and it's like, oh, I've admired you from afar for years. Actually, I've loved you ever since I first saw you or whatever. And yeah. he's like, oh, well, yeah, it would have been unprofessional me to say it because we were working together. And so it gives kind of a James Bond vibe. Well, And then you do this weird-ass dream sequence, sequence so it doesn't
1: really no, track. I, I, I definitely don't think it's a, it's a spy movie. I think it's a very up-its-own-ass, you know, No, I just typical, got that vibe from typical. that one
2: scene. Like, everything else, not so much. Because in the beginning... And and like I said, those are in both the dream sequences. So you never actually know what the movie's about whatsoever. Cause in the beginning, Nicole is talking to the mom and there's like this abusive backstory with her father or something and her mom ignored it. So there's no like actual tone to this movie whatsoever.
1: Well, and what, what's interesting is, you know, they, the movie isn't very important. What they're actually shooting is, is not important. You don't care. The other thing about the movie that I, I really respect is that it, it doesn't really have an ending in the sense that nothing really gets resolved. No, it's just a, but you don't feel cheated. Like the way it ends could kind of, you know, like, ah, we didn't find out anything. Did anybody get together? You know what this, you know, there's no no catharsis. Well, there's no, there's no closure, Mm -mm. but for some reason, and I typically hate that, but in this case, it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked absolutely perfectly. Because
2: it's just a screenshot of a day in the life. It's not really a hero's journey or anything super substantial that way. Uh, Even like Rotten Tomatoes even calls this movie a documentary masquerading as fiction. It kind of is. So, uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the, The first assistant director, just the way that she is constantly just barking orders and everything is about the schedule. It's all about the schedule. We're
2: ahead of schedule, Nick, if that means anything to you.
1: (laughs) Well, because the first AD's job is typically to sort of poke the director and keep, keep on task. Don't let him fall down the rabbit hole of creativity. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Or just getting totally fucking delayed and, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, which is what happens. And, and you just think of how much film that they waste and all those bad takes and how much, every time you press the button on the camera, it's money.
0: Oh, you're just, just flowing out the just window. going,
1: going.
2: But meanwhile, Derma is giving her, his name is Wolf in this movie, but yeah. uh, Wolf Vuff. is giving his girlfriend all this grief because he's like, he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right, chief. But yeah, he's giving his girlfriend all this grief about, oh yeah, the schedule. That's what you care about. You just don't understand Doris or whatever her name is. I don't know. But yeah, they're fighting and then she pulls him aside because she's trying to hook up with Chad she breaks up with him on the set and she's like, yeah, we both know this relationship isn't going anywhere. Let's just call it a day. Can we be friends? Like, it's just so ridiculous. Bad Lots timing. of dysfunctional More relationships of very on bad. Set. You got to
0: wait till the end of filming and then you can do whatever you want, but not in the middle. Yeah, oh. seriously. Everything is just it, the emotions. It's all on a, it's like on a, a fulcrum, mm-hmm. on a balance. Mm-hmm. And one wrong move, the whole thing just falls apart. And we saw a couple examples of that in this film. It's very well delivered.
1: Whether well, they were real or imagined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's such a weird environment because like when you walk onto a film set while they're working, there's this weird quiet, but there's like a hive of activity, mm-hmm. but it's got a weird vibe to it because everyone's trying to be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, you see people like, you know, laying out cables quietly. You see people sitting at the sound booth, you know, like working on their stuff quietly. The, the house lights are down. You've got just your motion picture lights up. And it just it it's one of the most beautiful things in the world is just to stand back and look at a film set with everybody working and all the lights set up. It, it's, it's wonderful. I want to make a movie. <laughs> I wish well, I had a script. We would make re- a
2: movie. It requires that kind of dedication, that like, that attitude of a big group of people all rowing in the same direction because that's the real magic behind a movie. It's not even just necessarily the actors, the set, oh, anything. It's, a, it's, it's everybody working effort, in cohesion. Yeah. yeah, Because and they all have to respect what they're doing to a certain extent or yeah. else something is going to get lost in translation or get messed up. Oh, yeah. I mean, when you look at so many movie sets, people are like, oh, wait, that's not even really a bedroom. It's just two walls, yeah. like, you know, plastered together. It's and magic, it's, you know, isn't it? It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's not even just with play sets. That's with movie sets, too. They're not, like, complete houses and stuff all the time. You just, it's. Well, they never are. All, no. All uh, basically well, never. It, yeah. it makes it impossible to film if yeah. you're in, like, a real office building or a real castle or whatever.
0: Yeah. You want reality, go outside. <laughs> and you see that piece of wood against the wall? Her dress catches on that I saw, on the yeah. way in and totally improv yeah. Clearly. Every clearly. bride's nightmare. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about Get indie caught on wood like <laughs> in the middle of the well, both, city. Yeah, very talented.
1: You just keep you keep rolling. You oh keep yeah. going. These are two absolutely talented actors. Right oh, here. Steve I is mean, one of the best actors out yeah, there. Steve Buscemi is literally He's incredible. Yeah. He's also really a really uh really decent human being, from what I've heard. I've heard that too. He was yeah. uh I think He was a firefighter. Yeah, and uh he he uh on nine eleven. He yeah. went back to his. Yeah, he old, went back to his old, uh, his old firehouse, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. You know, so he's, he's like, oh. "Put me to work." Yeah, seriously. And he
2: advocated for the firefighters' families, yes. who, especially ones who died or were sick after um, 9/11 due to the smoke and debris yeah. inhalation and all that. He was a huge advocate for all of them.
1: No, it's it's just such a like I said. I mean, it is really. Oh, here it comes. Ready? Yeah. dress is going to catch on it. <laughs> oh, there. Pay right, okay, close attention.
2: Oh, oh. Blink and you
0: miss it. That, that's
1: why you don't yell cut. No,
0: you just keep rolling.
1: (laughs) That's what, yeah, you keep rolling and the good actors just roll with it and just keep going. If they don't hear the director cut, you're still in character. Keep doing the scene.
2: Well, especially when you get a comedy going, like in the birdcage, they, uh, they rehearsed it like it was a play for several weeks prior to filming Mm -hmm. and they were allowed to improv more in the rehearsals and if the director liked it he was like oh that thing you said about the Beckins, like keep that that's really cute and funny and so they'll you know especially when you're doing comedy it's it does behoove you to just keep rolling and let people do what they're going
1: to do sometimes oh yeah and well and the cool thing is that you'll you'll do that with talented people (laughs) sorry Peter
2: Dinklage is just so dead serious walking around her with the
1: apple this scene is. I've always wondered how much inspiration David Lynch took from this scene. Yes, for <laughs> for the Red Lodge for the have, Black Lodge I think in uh, I have Twin Peaks. A
2: quote about that.
1: Um, because, let me look. You know, I mean, he's got a he has a dwarf. The room looks very similar without the PBS Playhouse door. But wasn't this shot after? Ah, uh, was this after Twin Peaks? This was what ninety five. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, yeah, it might have been after. Twin
0: they might have stolen from. Lynch. Okay, okay, I'm never mind. They then. did.
1: Okay. That's a that's a weakness in my David Lynch trivia. Well,
0: one one thing I think is is talented is to be able to act badly on film and well on film and be able to turn it on and off. Mm. Cause I know sometimes it you know, you just you have to give it your all. And then if they oh. didn't like the take, you have to I gotta do that again. Oh yeah. That's all I had. <laughs> There's nothing left in me. Well you just imagine the amount of of
1: emotion that an actor is investing. That's why I I was always amazed when I would see an actor do the same take two or three times and 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 it's like how how can you because it's sort of like I feel like if I had to do it a second time I'd feel silly right you know like
0: now they know I'm fake yeah now they know it's fake
1: yeah uh
2: so I did have a fact about that so the irate can't see your face oh okay sorry the irate dwarf in a red room wasn't Obvious poke at David Lynch and Twin Peaks. Apparently, Twin Peaks came so first. So Twin
1: Peaks was first.
2: <laughs> Dermot <Maroney. His> tears. <laughs> his single tear going down his face.
0: But it's such a sweet scene, though. It is. Oh, it's it's amazing. Like I said, this older woman for not, and maybe she does a lot of theater or some small stuff, but she yeah. did not have many IMDb credits. But if you watch her face and her expressions, I mean, she's totally in the moment. Well, that
1: that's one other thing too. That if you were filming a movie in New York, I mean, Mike. God, the amount of talent. Yeah, within,
0: within two square miles. of a couple
1: and you'll find yeah. somebody. Yeah, I mean, there are so many ta- just achingly talented performers who are out of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... And quite a
0: few without without talent. Yeah, that's true. There were, yeah, <laughs> there were some hacks so, there, too. There's a lot of us. Or a lot of other people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got the part in Sex in the City. Yeah, it's, true. it's, you know, it's not yeah. your fault that some and, idiot in and
0: strike, zone. And strike don't, zone. Don't you forget that. that that's Cat true. dancing elephants all day <laughs> long.
1: <laughs> no, but it, yeah, it's, it's, there's just this, this, or there was, I don't know what it's like now, but there was this wealth of people that were, you know, they were doing, you know, off Broadway plays. They were doing you know, old TV stuff. You know, there were writers who were just writing, you know, uh, whatever they could copy for anything just to make ends meet. But these guys were, you know, if you, if you really took a look, you could find gifted people.
0: Oh yeah. Well, because everywhere. that
2: used to be the scene in New York, wasn't it? Like oh, you yeah. could go out, that was the thing to do on the weekend, you know, Friday night rolls around and you're going out to see this new play that you've never heard of. Yeah. Cause you could gamble on it because like you said, there was just a wealth of talent from, you know, writers, yeah. actors, every category.
1: Well, I mean, and you used to have, you know, like the, uh, um, the sort of anthology series like Twilight Zone or Night Gallery or even the, the what was the one you said that she was on, like Folger Playhouse?
0: Uh, Did I say it? Yeah, the the old lady. Oh, oh right. It was like Craft Playhouse, Playhouse from House. The 52. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was all live live television. Yeah, but yeah. so
1: you had people, you had New York with this bustling theater scene and you had a lot of theater actors and a lot of theater writers. And so you could actually have whole industries of these shows that every week you would have a different writer, a different cast, do a whole different thing and it was a, it was a small play and they were beautiful. They are these wonderful little stories. And I just uh I don't know. I'm not you know, I don't want to sound too pessimistic, but I just I feel like that's not the case anymore. Mm. You know, I don't even know what the theater scene in New York is.
2: No. Well, in Hollywood's even worse because it's the same. It's the same Kevin Hart, Rock, Dwayne Johnson movie over and. Okay, let's put them in a jungle now. Okay, let's have them racing cars. Now they're cops. Like okay, we've seen it. We get it. Like apparently,
0: there's a lot going on at Atlanta here.
1: Yeah. um, Atlanta. Atlanta.
0: It's down the road. (laughs) We should plug into that. Maybe not. Like I said, give me a script. We'll make a movie. There you go.
1: I keep trying. You know, uh, I, I'm actually willing to take suggestions from, uh, you know, Twitter comment people if you have any ideas for a good movie. Because I've been, I've been, I, I rack my brain trying to come up with, well, you know, we saw Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. Oh, man. Jeremy killed it yeah, in that our, show. Our good friend Jeremy Choate played uh, Sweeney Todd in Sweeney Todd. Benjamin Barker. Yes. And he was absolutely fantastic. And I just, I was sitting there the whole time thinking, there's got to be a movie. There's got to be a movie. <laughs> some indie movie that we can make. I've got a couple ideas. We'll see. Well, you've got some actors at your disposal. Yeah, no, I know that's <laughs> You definitely do. Well, that's the thing. You can rent gear. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, you want lights, go get lights. Yeah. You know, anybody can do that. But talented actors, yeah, that's a little. They're harder to find. And much harder to find.
2: Talented, non-high maintenance actors. That's, there you go. <laughs> that's the wheelhouse.
1: So the movie basically, um, like I said, it was, it's in three parts. You have two dream sequences and then presumably reality. Yeah, um, I actually
2: uh, got a quote about that because, like I said, I was a little confused about what was real and what wasn't. The first two acts of the films are Nick's, then Nicole's dream. The third act is real, but the scene being filmed is a dream sequence. Yes. So it's a little yeah. confuddling.
0: Well, it, it's it's just well put together, I think. Yeah. It's very well put. And like you said, it's tough to stick the landing and an ending. I was not frustrated at all. No, you know, they, the credits rolled, the door closed, and it was just like, yeah, it yeah. should it should end right there.
1: It was absolutely perfect. It said everything it needed to say, and then it was done. Yeah. Well,
2: the yeah. one part of it that I didn't really understand is like, it seemed as though everybody was fantasizing. So they were, they were doing the room tone, and uh, like you said, it was four minutes long instead of the standard 30 seconds.
1: And, 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 well, real quick, let me explain. For the people who don't know what room tone is. Yeah, please. yeah, yeah. Because this is what, what will happen on a set is the sound guy will call out room tone. And when the sound guy calls out room tone, you stop moving, you freeze, you don't make any sound whatsoever. And the sound recordist just records the sound of the room, the room tone. And the reason for that is so that if they have to do cuts... I need to get this this shot and this shot together. The sound you have this bed of sound that you can put underneath things. Mm-hmm. Or if you need to do an insert shot somewhere, or you need to reshoot something, It's kind of like the audio it, version of layering. Yeah, you have this. You have this this, uh, this light, tone. Light buzz almost. Yeah, and so that there's no jumps, there's no gaps because you'd be surprised if you if you don't do that. The audio, even if you think you've gotten it
0: all, even there's little gaps and ups and downs and always now when i you know when i watched like the three stooges or shows from the 30s it seems like there's
1: you were alive in the
2: 30s
0: yeah well i I auditioned for that but (laughs) Shemp edged me out damn (laughs) him but but when you listen to that it's there's like it's like deadness yes when there is that because there's no room tone in that they because it was all money yeah you know it was expensive to
1: record things right so if uh you know the bean counters were not going to pay For you to record this, you know, because also you had more people involved in the process, more people involved in the editing, it complicated the editing. So it was simpler if you just wanted to get it out the door, just film it. That's it. You're done. Yeah. Um, That's what I mean. A lot of those were filmed outside. I mean, you know, the reason California is or was the heart of the movie industry was because it was sunny.
0: The weather. yeah, great could, all yeah. year round.
1: You could go outside. You didn't have to blind your actors with Klieg lights, mm-hmm. which literally would blind the actors if they stayed in front of them for too long. Mm-hmm. You would get Klieg eyes. Um.
2: <laughs> Sorry, we've gotten to the fantasy sequences. So, yeah, when they're doing room tone, the, the camera goes round-robin to all of the key players in the movie, and you have the first initial fantasy from the director, Steve Buscemi, so Nick Rev, who... Uh, we do know what his last name means in French, correct? Dream. Yes, which ties in perfectly with the movie. But so Nick is fantasizing about being presented the award for best movie ever made by a human being. <laughs> and it's it all this in an alternate universe where Chad is not a complete dick. And he's like, to my best buddy, Nick, he yeah. gets this award. So that's Nick's fantasy.
1: Well, that's every every director's
0: fantasy. I was going to say, (laughs) I prepared when I first started acting, I had my Academy Award speech already. I knew who I was going to be thanking. And who you were going to say, go fuck yourself. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And I practiced it all the time.
2: I think the best one I've ever heard was when uh, Robert Downey Jr. hedged out Matt Damon. I can't remember for which award, but he said, well, first of all, of course, I have to thank my wife, Susan Downey, who told me not to prepare anything because she told me Matt Damon was going to win. So that's one of the best (laughs) ones I've i've ever heard but the 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 point i'm trying to make about the fantasy so you have nick winning his award wolf fantasizes about his ex-girlfriend begging for his forgiveness and she's dressed in the wedding dress from the set uh the smoke machine or uh the assistant director is dreaming dreaming about sleeping with chad and they're marveling over her
1: power uh so there's that well because that that, that's a dig at at First assistant directors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're all oh, totally okay. power yeah. hungry. Yeah, power I thought, hungry. Okay, got it.
2: <laughs> then Nicole, and then even the smoke machine guy, he fantasizes about eating a hamburger. It's very wimpy. He's just happy with a hamburger. Yeah. He is the potato. Uh, and but Nicole is the only one with a negative daydream. She dreams of failing as an actress and becoming a diner. Yeah. Uh diner waitress. Is well, that and, really failing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> according according she, yeah. to her, because she's got a line about it earlier in the movie. She's like, Maybe I was just meant to work at the local greasy spoon when she's having a panic attack and well, Nick has to all, talk her
1: down. All of the fantasies are glimpses into the egos of those characters. Yes. So you're glimpsing, you're seeing like whenever when when uh, uh, Steve Buscemi is not only thanking people, but he's listing off all the people he wants to say, you know, go fuck yourself. That's just a little glimpse into who he actually is. Yeah, that's you know, gotta, yeah. yeah,
2: and Nicole's lacking confidence, so especially because she's been kind of picked on all day with Chad being a complete douchebag and Steve Buscemi saying that she's not a great actress. So yeah. Okay. That actually makes more sense. Cause I was like, why is she the one with
1: the one negative fantasy? So cause that's, that's how she feels that that's the little glimpse into, into her ego. Gotcha. And, and the movie wraps with that, you know, and yeah. the, the shot is done. And it's not even that the movie is finished because they have more to do. They get a good shot. They get, a good, they get one good shot. The yeah. whole damn thing was about getting one good shot.
2: Because the demented mother, <laughs> uh, Peter Dinklage storms out because he's upset about the dream sequence and the fact that it has to be one with a dwarf in it. And I didn't know where he was going at first when he was yelling at Steve Buscemi because he was like, why does my character have to be a dwarf? And I thought he was going to make some crazy demand like, why can't we put me on a stool and, you know, like rotate me around? I thought he was going to go in that direction. But then he was like, oh, it's just insulting that that's the reason, you know, what the dream sequence is because I'm a fucking dwarf and he's just flipping out. But then out of nowhere, without being prompted, the mother takes the apple and goes, I'm ready, Nick. And then comes in and just kills the scene as Peter Dinklage's. Yeah, former character so it everything just works out on that one particular serendipitous day. yeah but you're right it ends on a weird note but
1: it's just, a good note a, yeah. sat, a satisfying note mm-hmm. it, it works perfectly and it's great it's you know it's an hour and 29 minutes or something like that it's the perfect length it's it's a very it's a very
0: watchable
1: movie
0: you know oh it, i thought it was great yeah mm-hmm. I loved it. I laughed out loud. Oh, yeah. So many times. Yeah. Yeah. So many times when I was watching it. I was surprised that I laughed as much as I did. See, I didn't,
2: but I think it was because I was trying to pay attention. I'd never seen it before, so uh, I think I'd have to go back and revisit it to really catch all the funnier moments.
0: Yeah. But I laughed out loud because it just, it, it hit so close to home and I remembered yeah. If being in that same position and just laughed out loud. Yeah. I mean, it's, oh, it, it is so close. It's, it, it's, and that's what my teacher said. If you want to know what it's like, you watch this movie. I saw it in the theater when it came out. Oh, wow. That was the last time I saw it. That was the last time you that saw it? That was the last time, 1995. Oh, wow. That was before I packed up my bags and headed north from Virginia.
1: Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in that case, then we should move straight on to
0: Alf, Alf de de Seinfeld. Seinfeld.
1: Uh, I, I have a prediction. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty positive, but go yes. ahead.
0: Oh, for me, I, I'm going to give it an eight because when I first saw it, I didn't know any of these actors really. They were, many of them were just a career, particularly Peter. And now you, you look at it again and you can see all the directions oh, they yeah. went and, and that was, I saw it before I started and now I'm seeing it again and how close to home it, it really hit. It was still. Listeners, watch Living yeah, in Oblivion. Seriously. If you like movies, if you like movies and wonder how they're yeah. made, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And
2: then realize that you know being on a set is an exhausting endeavor. No oh, ma- it is. No matter if it's a budget film or not, because like uh, well, you're twelve hours a minimum. Know. Yeah, minimum. You're, uh, and yeah. you're there at like four a.m. Yeah. You're there until after it's dark outside, and just and even, you're working the whole time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, well, depending on what you're doing, well, yeah, sometimes true, you're just yeah. waiting around for hours. Yeah, on it. No,
1: that's true. That's Especially true.
2: when it comes to continuity shots. Like, uh, when I was in table 19 and they had, we were at the, a wedding reception, they kept having to refill everyone's juice yep. in their glass to make sure that it was all at the same left. Like, and that took hours and hours once you added up the time.
1: But, oh yeah. That's when your assistant director's are freaking out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause like, cause
2: you're supposed to act naturally yeah. and drink like you're having a glass yeah. of wine at the reception. And then they have to keep an eye on all mm-hmm. of that. The detail is insane. That's actually um,
1: one reason why iPhones have helped because they used to, they used to have a, a somebody with a Polaroid and they yeah. would constantly mm-hmm. be taking photographs and, and you would have one of the assistant directors, looking at all the Polaroids to go, no, 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 that was over here. Move that back over there, you know?
2: And whereas some shots work and some don't, uh, cause the Alvin and the chipmunks movie, we were at Hartsfield Jackson baggage claim. And it was just f- funny in general because obviously the chipmunks are CGI. So you have Jason Lee acting with these little stuffed animal chipmunks, that you know, don't move or do it or <laughs> give him anything to work with. But, um, even as a background actor, they had me do about seven or eight takes because I had to look like a traveler. And so I had to have a bunch of different outfits and they decided on one uh, that they liked. But then they'd be like, OK, you go back and roll the suitcase. Nope, there's too much noise with the wheels. Yeah. You got to go back. We got to do this take again. And so I had yeah. to do it like seven or eight oh, times.
0: Yeah. If I'm and that that's, important, I'd like an upgrade, please. And that's, <laughs> I'm a day player. And that's yeah. literally just
2: me walking behind Jason Lee in an airport. That's yeah. not even an important and can, scene. Can
0: we watch it and see you?
2: Uh, I never saw it, so maybe you can definitely definitely see me in Table 19 a couple of times.
1: Yeah, Uh, that's the only reason I can possibly think of to watch Alvin and the (laughs) (laughs) Chipmunks.
2: Well, they use me a lot more in Table 19 because they, you guys know as actors, they are really specific about what the background talent can wear. Like, you know, if Anna Kendrick's wearing this bright red dress, nobody else needs to be wearing red. She needs to stand out against the other actors. So I had this sort of pastel dress. It was pastel in the front and then gray plain in the back so they could use me for different shots depending on how it was standing in the frame yeah and so i got to be in that movie a lot more whereas with alvin and the chipmunks i did that one like i walk past jason yeah. lee and then that's it so uh we'll it just to depends it a watch, yeah for sure uh but yeah so and uh, some of the actors in this movie that i saw for the first time so it's a little bit of a retroactive recognition because the first movie i would have seen katherine keener in was actually um death to smoochie Ugh. And uh, mm. I know, I'm not saying it was a good, uh, <laughs> good reaction, but, and then Dermot Mulroney, uh, would be my best friend's wedding with yeah. Julia Roberts and Cameron Diaz. That's the first movie I ever
1: saw him in. Well, I am going to second the Alf to Seinfeld. I'm going to give it an eight also because it's been a while. And, and like, like you said, I mean, I was, I was laughing. I was just enjoying every second of the movie. I, I, it was weird. I actually found myself genuinely enjoying it more than I have before. I mean, it was just, it, it was so fun. I liked every single actor in it. Every performance was good. They were all perfectly fit. Yeah, Yeah. so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it an eight also. It's, uh, yeah, it is definitely not only held up uh, or withstood the test of time. It is, uh, it's significantly improved, I think.
2: I'm with you. Uh, straight five for me simply because of the rules of Alf de Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. i would never seen it before. Uh, but I think... If I had never been on a movie set or been an actor in general, I probably wouldn't have appreciated this movie nearly as much as I did. Yeah. Because oh, you totally. just don't yeah. under you when you watch a movie, you think everything's exaggerated, but this, like you said, Adam, is just spot on oh, with yeah. all the repetition, the interruptions, the egos, the the difficulties, the drama. Like it's it's super accurate for have, a
0: movie set. Have you ever seen sex lies in videotape? No, darling. It's Catherine Keener in that, isn't she? I think so, yeah. Well, we have
1: to do that one. Oh, that's goodness. Good one. Is that a 90s movie? <laughs> I think so. Uh, yeah, that's a 90s <laughs> yeah. movie. Okay. Uh,
0: well, yeah. So I think that's straight it. So, yeah. Yeah. Let's so wrap it up. Take it. us home.
1: Bring
2: yeah, us home. And the last thing I will say is how wildly impressed I was by my research on this movie. I did not see a single negative word about it. Normally, you've got people who, even if they're just contrarians to be contrarian, they're like, oh, everybody loves this movie, so I'm going to hate it. No, I didn't see a single piece of evidence that anybody has ever disliked this movie, so that was impressive to me. But on that note, Hindsiders, we appreciate you joining us in the studio once again for your drive time, your listening time, your diva actor time, your interruptions on a set time during a low-budget indie film time we just appreciate you joining us as always continue to join us for episodes that will uh stream throughout the 90s so we'll see who gets to pick next we'll see what the next exciting episode is but in the meantime this has been darth adam and jason with living in oblivion on hindsight and good night